Our business is booming right now. So I've been with the company now for 16 years. But even before then, I would hear my father talk about potential clients saying, well, I don't know if I want miniature golf at my family entertainment center because it's kind of going out of style. And miniature golf is one of those activities or, or attractions that will never go out of style. And in fact, has grown pretty consistently through the years. But in recent years with the entree of the putt checks out in the world and the puttery and these craft breweries starting up, there's been a ton of money pouring into the marketplace for miniature golf. Part of the reason is it's attractive to all ages from a child seven years old, plus or minus on up to grandma and grandpa. From a business perspective, it's great throughput, low operating costs, low maintenance costs. And so I can tell you it, it's growing and it continues to grow and is even popular for the cool, hip date night people out there. So um, yeah. go figure. Welcome to the Bot Golf Podcast, where we speak with the entrepreneurs, innovators, disruptors, and influencers who are shaping the future of golf. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Before we get started with our latest episode, I wanted to take a moment to welcome our presenting partner, InRange Golf. InRange is an award-winning driving range technology company that is creating a new standard in off-course player experiences and revolutionizing business success for range owners. If you're a golf facility operator looking to enhance your digital gaming experience and increase revenue, I encourage you to check them out at www.inrangegolf.com. All right. Well, today I have a real treat for you because we are going to be talking to someone who focuses not on what happens on the golf course, but creates amazing golf experiences off the golf course all over the world. And spoiler alert, even on cruise ships. The gentleman we're going to be talking to today is Scott Lundmark, who is the president of Adventure Golf and Sports, or AGS. I've been back and forth with Scott and his team for the last while. <laughs> really excited about what they're doing. I said, Scott, you got to come on the show. So here he is. So Scott, thanks for joining me and welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast. Thank you, Colin. I appreciate it and excited to be here. Well, it's my pleasure to have you on. So we've had a couple of conversations leading up to this, Scott, and before we dig into all you've done and your dad, Arnie, has also created, we're going to tell some stories from his perspective also today sure. through you with AGS, but I always like to start with the icebreaker and the connectivity to golf. So can you share with us that first time you ever picked up a golf club, what age that was and who invited Ooh. you for that experience and extend that into one of your most memorable golf experiences that puts a smile on your face? Yeah, great question. Thank you, Colin. And uh, just thinking off the top of my head here, I, I look over my right shoulder in my office and I see a picture of myself in the summer of 1975 when I was in between fifth and sixth grade. So I was probably around 11 years old. And I'm sitting in the Arnie's Funland Little Duffer Miniature Golf putter ball distribution little booth. So that was probably the first time I really touched the putter and, and started playing the game. And that was by virtue of my father, Arnie, who started the company in the business, uh, hiring me at a young age. And, and I had to earn <laughs> my way and my stripes. So he had me earning a little bit of money, but that's probably where, where it all began. And really, before I started playing the game, I actually helped build that course with my father and his whole construction crew that he had up in Traverse City, Michigan, uh, right along US 31, next to the uh, uh, state park overlooking East Bay. But building that course with my brother and actually 
my grandfather, my, my mother's father, who was helping. It was a family affair and it was a family business. We were painting the sideboards, the uh, golf hole edging and pouring concrete and laying turf. And finally, and I was just chomping at the bit. I, w- I was playing that course with the ball on the concrete for weeks on end until it finally finished. So that, that, that was probably my first experience playing miniature golf. Wow. Which doesn't surprise me considering your your background and your family business that the first club you ever had in your hand was a putter, which they do say the best place to start with golf is start at the <laughs> hole and move your way back rather than little kids getting a driver in their hand and, and doing that. So it sounds like you learned the game the right way, whether you liked it or not. Between uh, yes, having a hammer and a paintbrush in your hand there, you had a putter in your hand. I, lo- I love that yeah. story. Love that. Okay, well, that's a, a really nice segue into the origin story of what is now Adventure Golf and Sports. I realize the, the name has been tweaked over the last couple of years, but why don't you talk about your dad, Arnie Lundmark. Talk sure. about the origin of the company, which if my math is correct, we're looking at more than 35 years experience. So we're talking the late 80s or even earlier from what you talked about then. So yeah, tell me about the origin of how it all began. Absolutely. Uh, my father, Arnie, was in business in Dayton, Ohio, with a public relations business, and he sold that and wanted to do something completely different and get the family, my mom and, and my brother, everybody up into uh, Michigan, where we were originally from. And he found some property next to the state park on East Bay there up in Traverse City, Michigan, and he purchased that in the winter of, of 75. And then he moved the family up and Originally, it was a, a campground, an arcade room, an ice cream store, and a miniature golf. So we were, my father was an owner-operator with really one of the early first family entertainment centers in the country. And then each year thereafter, he kept expanding it with new attractions and recreation. So the next year, we built a go-kart track. The following year, we built a bumper boat area, and we built Artie's Amazing Maze, and We continued and we added on a water slide, which interesting side note, I think it was the first water slide in the country. I don't know about the world, but in the country that had a tunnel where it wrapped around and went inside the the hill and came back out. So through the years, we expanded that family entertainment center and then we expanded into other locations. Again, this is my father, not me. I was was still a young punk working my way on the golf course and then at the go-kart track. Wow. So when your dad, when Arnie moved back to Michigan, really no experience in this realm, just kind of figured it out as he went. And I love that just starting small and building and then seeing other opportunities yeah. and getting more skills and, and more abilities and awareness and seeing where the market was going. So, okay. So then you had all these pieces for a family entertainment center and FEC miniature putt, miniature golf, I should say, or mini putt or putt putt. We call it lots of different things that obviously stood out since that now 40 years fast forward, that is the family business. So, so what was it about the miniature golf aspect that with your dad turned the lights on to say, you know what, I'm going to quadruple down on that. And that's where we're going to put all the eggs in the basket here. Well, what happened is he expanded into uh, a couple of different areas uh, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, then some standalone operations in in South Florida. The courses that he was designing and building, he was getting just a ton of great feedback, the interactivity of his designs and the playability of his designs. And meanwhile, the economy always ebbs and flows, as we know. And so back in the late 70s, early 80s, the economy kind of slowed down and insurance costs went through the roof. So 
he really decided to sell the FEC operations, owning and operating. He sold those and then really decided to focus on designing and building for other owner operators. And that's really how that piece of the business started. And that was probably in the early to mid 80s is when he really started focusing on designing building for other operators. Got it. Got it. And I've seen a video, I think it's on the AGS website or on YouTube of Arnie back in the day sketching some courses out. So he has an artistic creative oh, yeah. ability. Has he always had that? Is that something that was just led dormant or that was sitting was there us. that was kind of came yeah. out? <laughs> Tell me about that. I think, it, I think you're right. I think it just kind of came out and he just had a love and a passion for the industry and designing. And, and so I think it was really self-learned, self-trained. And back then there was no internet. So maybe he read a few books back in the day, but he had a knack for it and he could think 3D. So on a piece of paper, a good mini golf course isn't just flat. Now, some of the day were, some of the old original ones were just flat and they were more geometric and bank shotting. And he was really one of the early pioneers of the adventure style golf, which was a miniature golf course on a highly landscaped hill with all kinds of undulations and, and all kinds of playability with waterfalls and streams flowing in it and below with bridges to walk over. So, so yeah, that kind of came out of him and he focused on that. And that was a real boom in the industry was that adventure style, landscape style course. However, through time in the eighties and early nineties, and he wrote an article, where's the show? And it was really about how miniature golf was transitioning and going back to the future, like the movie, where's the show? And it was back to the future where all of a sudden things started changing landscape, Adventure style courses were always and still are popular, but things were going back to the retro of theme elements, the old windmill and the clown's mouth. And so it really became designing and integrating those theme elements and obstacles into the playability. And so he had a knack for it. He really kind of earned his name. And maybe this is more my name for my father. He's a well-known person in the industry. And I always dub him. He's, he's the miniature golf swami or the the godfather of miniature golf certainly there's some old pioneers in addition to my father but i think he's one of them love it love it so in the formation of adventure golf services is what the company was called at that time so it was mostly as design consultant and designing more like kind of a a jack nicholas for miniature golf if you will or were you also then building your own courses and operating them at that time too well, he gave up the operation side, but it was a, really a design-build firm. So he would right. design the courses and then he had a team of people, a crew, where he could offer turnkey services, you know, soup to nuts, A to Z, to design and build literally. And with his own hands, he's built many courses on his own. And then, of course, through time, the company grew and he, he hired crew on board as a staff to, to build those courses he designed. Got it. Got it. Well, looking at your website, I see under products, I do the pull down menu here. You have 18 different products, which we're going to get into, but I want to fill the gap between where we left off there with the design build services and where you are now. But let's pull back a little bit because I know you know this industry better than anyone. Why don't you give us some numbers, some stats here in, let's say, even in the US, how many miniature golf courses are there and how many rounds per year? are being played 
you, you must have some idea of what those are. I, I, I maybe I'm, I should be a little embarrassed here. I, I wish I would have known that question up front, Colin. <laughs> I, I, I really don't know the answer, like the number of rounds per year. I can say this, that our business is booming right now. So I've been with the company now for 15, 16 years. But even before then, I would hear my father talk about people, potential clients saying, well, I don't know if I want miniature golf at my family entertainment center because it's kind of going out of style. And miniature golf is one of those activities or, or attractions that will never go out of style. And in fact, has grown pretty consistently through the years. But in recent years, with the entree of the putt checks out in the world and the puttery and these craft breweries starting up and they want little things uh, in the marketplace. There's been a ton of money pouring into the marketplace for miniature golf. Part of the reason is it's attractive to all ages from a child seven years old, plus or minus on up to grandma and grandpa. From a business perspective, it's great throughput, low operating costs, low maintenance costs. And so I don't have the stats that you asked for, but I can tell you it's growing and it continues to grow and is even popular for the cool, hip date night people out there. So um, go figure. Absolutely. Well, I don't have the number in front of me, but I I read it a while ago and by far, almost by a factor of two, the rounds played with miniature golf is yeah at least double that of rounds played on a green grass 18-hole golf course. And oh, I, maybe, I, maybe I even it. maybe even triple that. Yeah. You know, we're we're talking in the uh, the fifty to seventy five million rounds played range, which is pretty amazing, but also not surprising, yeah. as you touched on there, that a six year old to my ninety six year old dad can all get out there yeah, and play, right? right? Everybody right. can. Well, and part of it is you you know you mentioned early on and the place to start golf. Well, if you're an avid golfer, it still continues to be right. It's all about the short game. You know the pitching and chipping in from 100 yards in, and then it's all about the putting. It's a good place for avid golfers to practice their putting, but have a little fun at the same time, especially with their son or daughter or one of their parents. Absolutely. So I do want to hear about the design process, what goes on when you pull the curtain back at Adventure Golf and Sports, but let's talk about some of your products now that you're offering. What attracted me originally through our business, through our company, Reviver Sport Entertainment, of which we run the podcast through, we're working with you to get some uh, pop-up holes for mobile activations. And you've got them now that they're almost like big puzzle pieces that you can put together for 18 holes. So, well, I want to hear about a few products, but tell us about that one as far as where you saw the opportunity. I don't think there's anything out there like that. So the whole design development and the effort put into that which I believe is called your portable and your modular. Tell us about that as far as sure. the, the evolution and the market you saw, so the business case and even the design of that and the engineering that goes behind it. For sure. When I had my own career, I was in commercial finance here in Chicago for 25 years, and but I talked to my dad weekly, how's the business going, what's going on, what's your latest project? The roots of the in the history of the company go back to traditional miniature golf in terms of construction method, which is moving earth and pouring concrete, essentially, yes. with whatever edge, whatever theme and landscaping. My dad and I used to talk a lot, Ernie, and, and I said, you need something that just in the background you could pack in a box and ship and sell. And that would just give you, you know, just nice flow of business. And through the years, and I'm going to say it was back in the early 90s, plus or minus, he met a, a gentleman at IAPA show, which is the International 
Association of uh, Amusement Parks and Attractions. It's kind of a long one, but we've been going to that since the 70s. Met a gentleman there that had these proprietary panels that clicked together and and he was doing backyard putting greens. And Arnie's like, this is a great system to create a miniature golf. And the guy's like, let's do it. And so they created initially the Mini Links product and Mini Links Junior product, which are two portable modular systems. And those started selling. And, and really from there, Arnie, again, being a very creative person from a design perspective, and then I kind of started to get a little more involved in the company. And Mini Links and Mini Links Junior one size didn't fit all. So we started designing different looks and feels and sizes. So for different spaces and price points and a different aesthetic visual or, or different character to the course through time, we went from Mini Links and Mini Links Junior. Now we have probably 10 to 12 different designs for portable modular miniature golf with, again, different look, feel, and price point. And that was back in early 90s. And then it just started taking off and more and more started selling. And we kept creating new products. And for your Mini Links and Mini Links Junior, so these portable modular systems that you have, who are your clients? Who do you think your clients were originally? What market you're going after? And did that then expand and you saw other opportunities? Yeah. It, yeah to tell me about who the customer is for these yeah, products. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's across the board. I think it originally it was... Mostly people that didn't have a large budget for a concrete course, but they still wanted to offer miniature golf to their clients. And one simple example was just ice cream stores. Standalone ice cream stores are probably a little less popular than they were back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. So it was a perfect fit. But then through time, new markets have evolved and changed and the demand is clear for us where you have event companies, trade show companies. I mentioned uh, these small craft microbrews that are opening up, wineries throughout the country. With the advent of family entertainment, people want more social activity. Maybe what helped drive that is our iPhones, is that socializing. And miniature golf allows for the socialization for all ages to convene, have a sporting competition and sip on your craft brew or at an event. You can have fun at a trade show, talk, maybe a little business, make a putt, win a prize. People can monetize it however they want. So it's really morphed and new markets continue to open up. We've created yet another portable product. It has nothing to do with the panels. We call it the rollout mini golf. And it's literally a system with a nice putting green artificial turf surrounded and seen by a longer rough turf. You literally roll it up, put it in a bag on wheels, and you can buy a individual holes, a nine-hole set, or an 18-hole set. And those are now becoming very popular for us on cruise ships because they want something movable and something they can use for little putting events outdoors on a nice evening when there's little weather or wind, or they can set it up in the lobby of a hotel indoors. Nice, nice. Well, I wanted to ask you about cruise ships. I, I understand. I've seen some of the videos here on your website that that seems like a growth market for you. So were you first approached by a cruise ship company or operator or did you go after them or perhaps you ran into them at the IAPA show? Or t- Tell me about that. Were that, uh, that market segment opened up and you saw an yeah, opportunity? My father already was approached by one of the cruise line companies back in probably the late 90s, early 2000s. 
and their existing supplier and product just really wasn't working. They knew he knew mini golf and said, Hey, can you come out and take a look at it and see what you can do? And the first project was a little bit of a band-aid approach and he helped the client out. Then they brought him in from the get-go on their next project. I already started looking. I said, well, geez, maybe this new system we have that we use for portable modular, we could apply that in a custom application. Went to work on design. They gave him the opportunity and won the business or the contract. They installed it and everything worked like a charm. And that was kind of like the beach hold for AGS into the cruise ship market. And it was because it was a lightweight, durable system and offered excellent drainage features. And that was exactly what cruise lines were looking for. And it's really been a big benefit for our company to help diversify our client base and industry sectors. Got it. Got it. We are now going to take a short break to hear about our episode presenting partner, InRange. So what is InRange? Well, InRange is a radar-based ball tracking company that enhances the driving range experience by offering the most engaging gameplay and precise ball tracking on the market. InRange is the only driving range tracking business that truly offers something for every type of visitor. They have unparalleled practice software, which includes the world's first and only practice handicap, as well as golf games and courses for the more social player. They are also the only software in the world that offers a bay versus bay link-up feature, meaning large groups can play against one each other in teams right across the entire venue. To learn more about them, check out www.inrangegolf.com. So as far as the business itself, you're based in Michigan, is that correct? Based in Traverse City, Michigan. I'm actually located in Chicago, Illinois. When I got involved with the company 15 years ago, Arnie really didn't have a succession plan in commercial finance, investment banking, musical chairs, and back in the last recession of, well, not the last one, but like three recessions ago <laughs> right? now, in yeah. 07, 08, I was in between and I started helping them out. And I'm like, wait a minute, there's a lot of opportunity here. So we had a couple of meetings together and we put together a, a succession plan and I had a seismic shift in my career and, and went from commercial finance to mini golf. So here I am 15 years later. There we go. There we go. So as far as the products you have, what are the proportions of your products for mobile, portable, as compared to the designs for the traditional sure. courses that are permanent? What are you finding now with the business? What's trending? Is one kind of yeah. getting bigger than the other? Yeah, where do you see the trends going or what do you predict in the future over the next for couple sure, of years? For sure. And it's changing and it's it'll never change just like everything else. Things have and flow. So traditional miniature golf, concrete, moving earth, pouring concrete, that seems to be more affected by the economy, economic moves with interest rates, access to capital for small businesses. And right now we're in a tough environment. We're in an increasing interest rate environment the last 12 months, plus or minus. So there's a pullback in lending. So unless you're flush with cash, it makes it more difficult. So that business flows. But we've seen a big increase in demand for portable modular, but also indoor applications and rooftop applications uh. because of the advent of the internet has changed the way people do their shopping. You can go online and buy everything you need from groceries to clothes to electronics through Amazon and the traditional brick and mortar real estate 
retail outlets have been forced over the last 7, 10, 12 years to reinvent themselves. And so these malls, whether strip malls or large malls, vacancy rates have shot up. These traditional retailers are selling more online. And so they're reinventing themselves. And a lot of these brick and mortar locations are becoming family entertainment centers. And there's a big trend to integrate food and beverage, mini golf, beanbag toss, duck pin bowling. Up in northern Michigan, we're seeing um, curling on the frozen ice. So that's been a big shift in the marketplace in terms of demand. Interesting. Yeah. Sounds like they need a, an attractant to get people there. And especially with younger people and Top Golf unlocked this one and cracked the code oh, on this yeah. one years ago that rather than just passively doing things, whether it's going to a movie and sitting in the dark and silence, mm-hmm. especially younger people, they want to do things and they want to yeah. have it so that they're creating shared memories together. And if it could be a little bit competitive, even in a fun way, even better. So yeah, Top Golf certainly figured that out. And now, as you mentioned with Putt Shack and the Puttery for indoor yeah. miniature golf experiences and also Pop Stroke, which Tiger Woods has got involved with and is oh, yeah. becoming quite popular and starting to scale. So now, yeah, combining just like Top Golf, you can find something fun, in this case, miniature golf with music, some drinks, if you're into yeah. that, and also some good food. And that creates experiences and away you go. You know, you bring up Top Golf, and that brings up a whole nother new growth segment of mini golf, which is however you want to define it high tech mini golf, gamified mini golf. It's typically, not always, but typically, it's a paradigm shift from golf has always been low score wins. These gamified, high tech, you get all kinds of bonus points and whatnot. So it's the high score win. So that's yet another new segment of the marketplace that Top Golf was on the cutting edge because they had the chip technology for the golf, for automated scoring, and then to track the ball and create all these bonus opportunities. So that is a whole nother wave. We haven't really gravitated to that with our company. We still see strong demand for traditional miniature golf. In fact, we just launched a new product called Modular Advantage, which is it looks like concrete, feels like concrete, but it's not. And it utilizes our eco-friendly panel system, which is made of recycled materials. But the course itself is eco-friendly because you have 100% permeable space versus concrete. You have hard runoff space. And so that's been very attractive for eco-sensitive communities or states or townships. We did a large project uh, at the uh, historic Grand Hotel on Mackinac Island in northern Michigan. And the second the Island Commission heard about eco-friendly and 100% permeable space, it was like spot on what, what they needed and wanted. And everything about ESG and sustainability, it, it's yet again another market for us that's piqued a lot of interest and in, uh, we're seeing a lot of growth and demand there. Interesting. Interesting when I'm not talking about and working in golf, one of the other hats I wear is in the the clean tech space, especially on the sustainability side with startups and ventures. So always very interested to talk about that governance piece and that sustainability piece mm-hmm. and getting to carbon net zero. And it sounds like exactly. you're making a real conscious effort through your products. Oh, yeah. And it sounds like Modular Advantage is kind of the tip of the iceberg, point for of sure. the spear for that. And it sounds like that's something that sustainability piece is very important to you and the company. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're trying hard. In fact, we need to expand in our warehouse and office space. And in that expansion, we're considering 
solar power because it's a food chain. It goes up to our clients and like especially the large ones, these cruise line companies, that ESG component is very important and it's kind of a push down through the supplier network. And so we're very conscientious of that and, and it's important to us. Got it. Got it. Tell us about the the market. We talked about IAPA. Maybe you can expand upon that because we were going to get together and you were over in Europe. I think you were in Vienna at the European show and now you're going to be yes. going down to Orlando in a couple of weeks here. So that's obviously very important for you. That It seems like you focus less on the golf industry itself and focus more on the amusement and entertainment industry. Perhaps you can kind of expand on what else you're seeing out there, oh, uh, sure. whether it's in golf or even entertainment, the trends that you're seeing that are starting to catch on. For sure, for sure. So yeah, IAPA, that's the granddaddy of them all in our industry and we'll never stray from that. We've been attending, like I said earlier, since the 70s. We attend campground shows because campgrounds need either eco-friendly systems or affordable, portable type products, which we have and offer. We've attended the ICSC Recon Show, which is a large real estate show typically held every year in Las Vegas. As I mentioned, a lot of these retail brick and mortar venues need to reinvent themselves. So we've been attending that in the last few years, the hotel resort shows. So it's really a mixed bag. The craft brewery show, we're attending that next year. We try to go where we think our demand will be, obviously, or where the needs will be and, and where our clients are. And now, a lot of those still end up migrating to IAPA because that is the largest one in the industry. Everything, everyone from Disney on down to the local mom and pop searching for property and pursuing the American dream of building their own business. Nice, nice. Now, I also understand you, you really offer a turnkey service that you offer the putters, the balls, even the scorecards and the pencils right down to it. So... Let's say you were approached by, and I know the industry served here, you've got five different segments here, but let's say I'm a mayor of a mid-sized city or a municipality and we're very interested to be a client So, and doing a modular. Tell us about that journey of how you would then work with them and what you can offer sure. if they wanted something that, that they could pop up for multiple events and own that themselves. Yeah, for sure. Everything always comes down to budget. So, you yes. know, we'd want to know what their budget range is and, and, you know, what their intentions are in terms of utilizing the product. You know, what are their goals and objectives of a pop-up venue and the portability nature? How frequently do they plan to assemble it and then disassemble it, move it, store it and reassemble it? All those factors. And is it indoor or outdoor? Those can drive the type of product that would fit their need the best. So we always try to really understand the client's needs first. Ideally, if we're setting it up somewhere, we need a site plan, a flat surface. And so we really need to take the consultative approach and make sure we really understand their use, where they're going to place it. Is it on the grass in a yard or in front of a building or is it on an asphalt parking lot? All those are different factors that'll help us with a successful uh, implementation of mini golf. Got it. Got it. Okay. I'm going to throw this one at you. Over okay. the years, maybe it was last Thursday, maybe it was 20 years ago. Tell us a story about a client that came to you with ambitious, over the top, explode your brain type of desires here that really pushed the envelope for you from the creative and maybe even the technical side that you managed to deliver on that you learned a lot from and you're really proud of. Is there oh, one yeah. there that comes to mind and rises to the top? Boy, there's a lot of them, to be yeah, honest with you. And, there, and there's a lot of them that 
the dream never came to fruition and I'm not sure why it was, it was beyond us. I think we did our duty of designing that dream. And then maybe there's a change of whatever or access, access to capital. Um, But one that comes to mind in particular was out in the Canadian side of the Niagara Falls. And actually this was probably right at the time I was beginning to look at joining the company and buying my father, Arnie, out. It was with Harry Oaks, a gentleman that his family's been in Niagara Falls for many, many years, generational in Canada. My father, Arnie, and Harry Oaks knew each other for many years. And so he designed it. I think it was a 54-hole miniature golf course. And Harry wanted this this ginormous volcano. And he wanted three different water elements coming off of it. He wanted it spewing steam and smoke and fire. And so Arnie and his team at AGS started designing, starting with the volcano. And he quickly realized this volcano was getting out of his scope. And (laughs) he brought in an engineer and they teamed up and they got it done, but this thing literally, and it's still in operation today. I mean, it spews like at least 10 to 15 foot flames off the top. There's steam, there's three different water elements. It, he's got these like 20, 30 foot high dinosaurs throughout the miniature golf. And, and I think really what Arnie and a, the AGS team brought to the table was helping Harry make that dream come true, his vision of what he wanted and making it fun and interactive and maximizing the playability, which at the end of the day, maximizes the return on investment for the owner operator. And to this day, that course is is doing really well. And he's a good friend of ours. And he comes by every year at IAPA. But that was a really cool project. So good. So good. Okay, well, I'm going to extend that since it sounds like you had a couple in your mind there that were maybe even more ambitious than the volcano that never came to fruition for whatever reason. Maybe they just couldn't be built or the budget wasn't there. So is there one that comes to mind that was uh, like so far out there that you're like, really? <laughs> well, I, I, I got one that has a little funny story. And it was a IP type project with the Teenage Ninja Turtles, yeah, yeah, if, yeah. if you remember that. And it was going to be a really cool project. And for some reason, we didn't have any IP. It was the client and then they had the IP with the IP holder and, and that whole thing just didn't happen. But but we designed the course and, and it was an awesome course with these turtles and interactive. But the funny part about the story is, is Arnie, my father, he's very passionate about his design and his work. And he's constantly thinking day and night. He eats, drinks and lives miniature golf. And so... He comes into the office one day and he's kind of got a like bruise and cut on his cheek. I'm like, Dad, what happened? He's like, well, I've been thinking about this teenage ninja turtle miniature golf. And he's like, I was dreaming last night about all this stuff. And I ended up fighting these turtles and he rolled out of bed and hit his head on the carpet and got a carpet burn on his on his cheekbone. So that was one of the funny stories and that project didn't happen. But we are working on a, a very large, actually the next world's largest cruise ship project right now. I have a team of about a dozen people in Turku, Finland, as we speak. In fact, I, I spoke with the manager about a half hour before this podcast, and uh, that's going to be a really, really cool, exciting cruise ship application with by far the most elaborate theme elements on a cruise ship within a miniature golf course with a lot of elevation and height to it. So that's that's a really exciting project as Very well. Very cool. It's, it sounds like you're never stopping the innovation side of the business that you're always passionate to keep building on your previous successes here there's always future opportunities for new iterations and that's that's exciting that's fun for sure yeah it, so, and not everything always works either 
You probably saw Splash Golf on our uh, website. We think it's a great product. All the water parks agree, like they, they need other places to divert long lines. And Splash Golf is water mini golf on a splash pad, taking the players and the game itself into an interactive water environment. We've installed one or two of them on a cruise ship. Land base we have not yet. I think it's still a great product, but you never know, right? You develop these things and sometimes they go, sometimes they don't. But we have fun uh, during the process. Love it. Love it. So to end here, as far as your clientele, like I know in the US and also in Canada, that's where you started. I'm sure that's the bulk of your customers. Are you getting a lot of orders from Asia and Europe now and from around the world? So what's the, what's the most exotic location in your mind wow. that you've installed so far and designed something for? Good question, Colin. And yeah, the demand is, is worldwide. Any given day, we have leads off our website. And with the advent of our, now it's been 15 plus years, but with a portable modular product where we can pack on a box and ship, you know, that opens up a lot of markets for us. But the most exotic, and I can't remember the name, but it was definitely some small, obscure, unknown island to me at the time out in the South Pacific. And we, we sold a product. In fact, it was a little more elaborate. I think it was our Anywhere Links Junior, which is a larger modular application where they installed it outdoors. We had to kind of consult with them and provide them all kinds of details to get it installed in the ground, an in-ground right. application. And boy, I can't remember the name of that, but it was it was like a little speck on a, on a globe and a map out in the <laughs> South Pacific. So that was pretty cool. That is, that's awesome. I love that. Well, I can keep going here and keep asking you a lot more questions I have because the whole mini golf space just really fascinates me and the growth and the explosive growth that is in this space. But I'm going to hold off here because you and I are going to jump on a video call for a conversation for our Mod Golf YouTube channel where I'm going to ask you some different questions. So okay. hopefully our listeners here will click on the link that I have in the show notes for that and will join us over there for our YouTube video on the Mod Golf YouTube channel. But before we finish up here, Scott, why don't you let our listeners go? Perhaps you have some potential clients out there after this that have listened and are intrigued and want to learn more. So where can they find out more about AGS, Adventure Golf and Sports? Google AGS Adventure Golf and Sports, and that'll bring you right to our website. And quite frankly, our website is, a, is our best brochure and advertisement. There's an inquiry sheet there if you're interested, and you can just submit your inquiry there, and we will respond our golden rules within 24 hours. Very nice. Well, I figured it was just as simple as that, but I thought I'd put it out there. And as I always do, yes. I will include the link to AGS to their website in the show notes to make it nice and easy for all the Perfect. listeners to click on that. So with that... Scott, thanks for the conversation today. This has been awesome. I just love mini putt, as you know, and even with our business, looking to uh, very soon perhaps be a client of AGS. So we love to have. I think our our relationship's just starting here. Yeah, we'd love to have you in our client portfolio. And thank you very much for the time and the opportunity. It's been great. I really enjoyed it. It's my pleasure. All right, you take care. All right, you too. Thank you. So that's a wrap for this episode of the Mod Golf Podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation about entrepreneurship in the golf industry, you can find more compelling episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen in. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on our homepage to hear about upcoming episodes and to enter our latest golf product giveaway. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Thanks very much for joining me. Bye for now.